Hello there, my name is Sabrina. Welcome to the Homeschooling Journey podcast. Are you a homeschooling mama? Either a first timer, or maybe you've already been at it for years. Maybe you're just thinking about it. I want to encourage you on this journey. Tune in every week to learn hard-won wisdom, practical advice, and tips from other homeschooling moms. You can do this. Welcome back to the Homeschooling Journey podcast. I'm so glad you've joined today. Happy spring, happy end of March. And it's got me thinking it's that time of year that a lot of you are probably thinking ahead to next year and starting to plan out your curriculum. This is probably one of the funnest things that we get to do as homeschool moms is look at all those beautiful catalogs and think about what we want to purchase for the following year. So today I talk with my daughter Rose and she has lots of ideas on choosing curriculum. She'll talk about how she does that in her own family. I hope this is really helpful for you and you enjoy. Hi Rose. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Hey, so today we're going to talk about choosing curriculum. And uh, I saw a funny meme on Instagram or somewhere that said, we've reached that time of year where it's more fun to plan for next year's new curriculum than to finish the current one. Yes. (laughs) I thought that was funny and I bet you can relate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, March feels like the school year is never going to end. Yeah, why is that? (laughs) It it all seems like it hits in March. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I guess it feels like we've just been doing school for so, so, so long. And it feels like we're still not as far as I'd like to be. So it just is starting to feel like we'll never get there. Right. And you know, like there are a few months still to go. So that's uh that's still stretching before you. Right. Right. But you've started to look, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely started to look ahead. Okay. I haven't bought anything yet, but, uh, but I know I need to get moving on that pretty quick. Yeah. It's so fun. I don't know what it is about choosing (laughs) curriculum, but it's just a really fun part of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. It feels like a fresh start. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So just uh, remind us again of how old the kids are that you're homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a nine-year-old third grade. Uh, that's a girl, nine-year-old girl in third grade, seven-year-old boy in second grade. Uh, so they're close. They're, they're um, 19 months apart, but only one grade apart. And I combine them for st- for some things, which we'll talk about. And then I have a cute little kindergartner who's six, almost six. She'll be six in a few weeks. And um, and that's been a, a very new experience. <laughs> She's very different from my first two uh, when they were in kindergarten. So I have three that I'm homeschooling formally, uh, third, second, and, and kindergarten. And then I have a three-year-old who likes to sit there and do her preschool workbook. And I have a one-year-old little boy who's running all around all over the place. And then I'm um, six months pregnant with baby number six. Right. 
Oh, yeah. So uh, we normally, our school year, usually we go through the end of June. And even like my, my hard cutoff is 4th of July. So if we're done, if we're not done with a book, say by 4th of July, then it, that's over. We're, we're done for the year. But um, this baby is due J- June 30th, which is uh, right when I would expect our school year to be ending under normal circumstances. So that's also kind of adding to the uh, this feeling of like there's no way we're going to finish what I set out to do by by June thirtieth. Yeah, um, let me ju- before we get into how you choose, let me just address mm-hmm. that point. You you said there's no way you're going to be finished with what you set out to do. Yeah, and I that's kind of an important thing to think about and talk about. <laughs> um, why do you think that is? Um, is it because we set unrealistic expectations? And I think we can all relate to this. Uh, do we bite off more than we can chew or what do you think? You know, yeah, I think we don't, um, make allowances maybe for real life. So at the beginning of the school year, you know, we plot out our 36 weeks or however you, you know, however you do your planning for the school year. I think a lot of people use that kind of like 36 week, um, framework, And so I counted all my weeks dutifully. I looked at the calendar. I figured out when we're having Christmas break and when we're having our Easter break, et cetera. You know, when are we going to be done with the school year? Had it all planned out. And then I got pregnant in um, October about. And so all of a sudden, you know, I was not feeling very good. And so things had to slow down for a couple months. And then over Christmas break, we all got sick and it was kind of an extended sickness. And um, one of my kids got pneumonia, my third grader got pneumonia. So that, that, you know, made her slow down quite a bit for a few weeks. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there was, you know, I could have, I mean, at the beginning of the school year, I could have foreseen, oh, you know, maybe I'll be pregnant this year, but I didn't build in any time for that possibility. And I mean, we all know that kids get sick, but but I don't know why, you know, when, when you're kind of doing, say, your 36-week planning and you have everything all nicely scheduled out for the 36 weeks, like I have to get this done and this done on this week. And and then all of a sudden you have a sick week. And so, you know, I always get stuck there. Like, is this a school week? Is it not? Do we count it? Now we're off track. You know, do we go a week later in the summer because we missed a week of sick time? Um. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like going forward, like I need to plan for, I need to take the 36 weeks and divide it into 30 maybe and allow for some sick and slower weeks. And then there, I mean, there's also good things like field trips. We took a few days and did, um, did a trip to Monterey. We saw a bunch of the California missions, you know, all great, like field trip, exciting, um, you know, learning opportunities for the kids. But they do they don't fit in my 36 week framework either right so those were days we were not doing math and english for example right um so yeah i i don't know what the answer is i'd i'd be very curious to hear what you uh what you've done about that yeah well um sick sick weeks you know is a part of life and even if the kids were in school there are sick weeks mm-hmm. where they miss miss school you know and sometimes they can't do any schoolwork at all if they're sick and and there's the old makeup work kind of thing and 
Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting idea about dividing it into 30 weeks with that built-in kind of buffer zone. I, I never thought about that. I was kind of like you, just dividing everything into 36 weeks and then scrambling to make up for lost <laughs> yeah. days. You probably remember that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, so just uh, moving on to choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, the fun part. <laughs> yeah, the fun part. How do you do that? Are you uh, piecing things together on your own or are you following some kind of pre pre-planned package curricula or what? Mm-hmm. Um, so I follow a pre-planned thing. So I buy lesson plans from a, um, from a Catholic uh, classical homeschooling uh, curriculum provider, I guess you'd say. And then we make a few substitutions along the way. So um, when we first started talking about homeschooling, you know, when our daughter, our oldest was four, three or whatever, um, you know, we decided we wanted a classical framework. Um, We wanted a Catholic framework. And so we kind of narrowed down a few options. I really did feel like, even though I was homeschooled myself, I still felt like I could benefit from having somebody else do the bulk of the lesson planning or, or part of the lesson planning and choosing some of the curriculum for me. Um, just because then this is probably different from, you know, 30 years ago when homeschooling was kind of newer, not so mainstream, but now there's just a thousand options out there. And so I like the idea of somebody else kind of guiding me and saying like, these are some good options, you know, go with them. And then if we needed to change, we could. Right. Um, so we chose a company called Angelicum Academy. Um, they are Catholic classical curriculum. They do offer um, they do offer a like a grading service, and um, you can be enrolled through them, et cetera. We don't do that because living in California, we have pretty lenient homeschooling laws. There's not um, you know, we're not forced to be a part of a um, you know, of a school or, or even of an online school. So I don't, we're, our kids are not enrolled in them, but I do buy lesson plans from them every year. And then they give recommendations on curriculum for a particular subject. So, um, you know, so they'll, they'll say for third grade math, you know, buy this book for third grade spelling, buy this book, et cetera. And um, we, for the most part, we've followed them. And then once or twice, we have found things that didn't work well for either our family or for one particular child. And so then in that case, I've had to go down kind of the rabbit hole of researching all the different curricula out there and figuring out something that would work better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good way to go, especially in the early years of homeschooling and mm. and. I did that too. It was Colby Academy that we did. And right. I just used the, the curriculum that they recommended. And then as a couple years went by, I found things that I didn't like that they recommended. And then I would look around and find different things that worked better or mm-hmm. change it up the next year. Right. Uh, it kind of takes some of the burden off you to have to figure out which book for every subject for every kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you've been happy with this? Yeah, we really have. There's been a, a couple of instances where their recommendation has not worked well. And so we've, we've changed it. But it, um, 
there's just, you know, you, you get like the catalog, you know, the rainbow resource catalog or Christian book distributors. And, and there's, it's like hundreds of pages of, you know, there, there might be 20 pages of different math and then 20 pages of spelling options. Right. And it's so overwhelming. So what I've kind of come to realize is, um, you know, some kids are strong in other, in some areas and not others. And I kind of feel now after a few years, like, so, like my son, my seven-year-old is really strong in math. I kind of feel like whatever math curriculum I used for him, he would probably thrive in it. Um, or my two of my two older kids so far have been really, really quick and easy on the phonics and reading, like practically taught themselves how to read. And so whatever, you know, what Angelicum recommended was hooked on phonics. It's nothing fancy, but it was so easy to teach them to read. Now with my kindergartner, that's been a huge struggle. So now I'm at the point where I'm looking at other, other options for reading and doing other activities. Um, so, yeah, I, I think sometimes uh, it's so, it's kind of a trap to think that there's the one and only option that's going to be perfect for your family or for your kid. When in reality, there's a lot of good options out there and you just kind of need to pick something until there's a problem and then you can troubleshoot that and, and work to figure out a better option. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when you look over their curriculum recommendations, do you um, choose what they suggest for all the subjects or do you just kind of do the main subjects that they recommend? Um, that's a good question. Let's see. So I started out, yeah, just buying all the things that they recommended. And then, um, like, do you get all the parent manuals and answer keys? Um, pretty much. I mean, that, that's so subject dependent. Um, yeah, like spelling and, uh, spelling and handwriting. Like I don't buy the, the parent keys for that. Like, honestly, I don't know what, I mean, what is the parent key for spelling? Like you either know how to spell or you don't. I don't feel like I need an answer key for that one. Right. Um, or handwriting, you know, I, I don't feel like I need the pair. There are parent tools for those things, but um, maybe those are just subjects that I don't personally struggle with. But whereas like with math, I definitely like to have the parent key because I don't really want to personally do, even though I know my times tables, I don't especially want to sit there and correct times tables for an hour. I'd rather just kind of look at the key and, and check the answers quickly without actually having to do the math myself in my head. Mm -hmm. And then other things, you know, like history, science. I mean, some of those don't really have a teacher's manual because you just start kind of exploring those and enjoying them with your child. Right. Um, moving on to, We've talked about this before, Rose, but how do you know when to change a curriculum? And I, I told you that I was always reluctant to give up on a curriculum because I felt like it was um, that I, I was a quitter. Or the child was a quitter uh, if we didn't finish a book. But sometimes that made everybody miserable. Mm -hmm. um, so what, have you like experienced that and kind of how do you deal with that? when it's just not working. Yeah, I've, um, 
so that happened last year with my nine-year-old with math. So she was second, she was doing second grade math and we were using Saxon, which I think is a really great program. And my seven-year-old just, I mean, I, I just like hand him the, the math papers from Saxon and he says, okay, I know what to do. See ya, you know, goes off and does his work. Uh, but with my then second grader, it was, you know, this was second grade math and it was taking like two hours a day uh, to do math and horrible. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. <laughs> now looking back, I just oh, I cringe, you know, that I wasted so much time <laughs> with that. So much of her time and my time. And it was two hours and it was like both of us were probably crying a lot of the time. <laughs> so it was two miserable hours every day. <laughs> And not only that, I, we were only doing like half the chapter. We weren't even doing, you know, we weren't even doing the full chapter each day. We were just doing the bare minimum and it was so painful. Okay. Um, and so I, you know, I finally kind of, I, I really struggled with that because I did feel like we were quitting, like, oh, why can't she get it? And why can't I get it? Why can't I teach her? What, you know, why is this so difficult? And then uh, finally just decided to kind of stop asking the question why and just make a change. Um, and I think it had helped that you told me, you know, that you were always slow to, to make change something when it wasn't working. <laughs> so that made me feel a little bit better about like that we should just make that change. We should just do something about it and not try to slog through this horrible experience. Um, so I kind of had to do a little bit of like work on my end to uh, to get rid of this idea that we were that she and I were both quitters or that we were failures because we couldn't do this math. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I started doing a little bit of research about math in general, and I grew up on Saxon, so you know I, I knew that Saxon worked well for me and um, and for most of my siblings. And so I talked to you about it. I talked to other homeschooling moms. I was talking to a friend one time we were at a park and she has older kids. Her kids were like 14, 15. And I was talking to her about math and just how horrible it was. And she said, Oh yeah, that was us a couple of years ago. She said, yeah, it was, I, I don't know why I waited till, you know, my daughter was 12. And she said, when it comes right down to it, you know, not every kid needs to do the same math. Some are going to be good at math. Some aren't. It's not a problem if that's not your kid's strong subject just, you know, find something that is better for, for your family. So she encouraged me to, to look around. Um, and then I kind of started just researching generally like math, you know, what are different ways of teaching math? And there's the spiral method versus the mastery method. And, uh, Saxon is considered spiral. It's just like the, the method of how the math is taught over the years, but Saxon is considered a spiral method. So I just kind of, thought you know let's just go with the total opposite like with something totally different so I started looking at mastery method we ended up um, choosing rod and staff curriculum which is very gentle and um, it's just it's a little moves a little slower it's very peaceful it's a lot of drill so lots and lots of problems but like they'll they have it so that you drill on your times tables, like you might do your times sixes for two weeks and then move on to your times sevens and do those for two weeks. So it doesn't move as fast and kind of sporadically as a a program like Saxon does. Saxon kind of throws a lot at you at once. Um, 
kind of introduces something new each day. Right, right. And my daughter just didn't do that well. You know, she would, so with Saxon, yeah, like it would be introducing the times tables. And then when it went, when it became time to do um, some addition and subtraction, like borrowing and carrying, it was like I had to teach her addition and subtraction all over again. And she had to memorize those facts all over again. And so, yeah, we just, we just kind of got the rod and staff. Um, It has pretty pictures. It's very simple. It's black and white, you know, really like gentle, simple. I think it's Amish or something. And um, she liked it. She liked the pretty pictures. Sometimes she'd color in her book a little bit and she liked the gentler, slower pace. Um, She liked not having things kind of thrown at her so much, like all at once. And, you know, math is still not her strong subject, but she's improving steadily, slowly and steadily. And she doesn't hate it. And I don't hate it. And there's no tears, <laughs> uh-huh. and no fighting. I mean, it's just it, the whole experience is so much more peaceful. I'd rather have her learn. I mean, maybe it's not as rigorous as Saxon, but I'm OK with that at this point. I, just, I recognize that maybe she's not going to be my strong math kid. But um, but she is learning it and she'll do fine. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, it's brought so much more peace to to the house. So would you say that she kind of likes math now? Almost. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if she'd say she likes it, but she definitely doesn't hate it anymore. Okay. That's so. that's great. Maybe it's more important to get her to open up and like math than to be rigorous about math. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. that's that's a good point yeah yeah oh that was hard but it was just was so many hours and months and even a couple of years of like of painful math uh, so it was it's a good lesson to me going forward that if we kind of get if I, we ever get that feeling again where people are crying and and getting angry at each other over a subject then it's probably not a good fit right <laughs> I think um, that's one way you can figure out that something isn't fitting. Another way is just what I remember is something being very dry. Mm -hmm. And even though it presented a lot of information, this would be more in science or history, a textbook that would just present a lot of information, but be so dry that, so maybe it was rigorous again, but nobody was really enjoying it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember feeling like, oh, we can't just quit. You know, I bought this, so we need to stick yeah. with it and, you know, we'll just get through it. But but spending a lot of time with the kids and me not enjoying it. Right. And that that's a red flag. That's time to change it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody's saying it, that school has to be fun every minute. But but yeah, exactly. If you're if it's really painful and everybody's hating it, then that's probably a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you'll destroy the you know the love of learning something mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. yeah um, another problem with ordering curriculum that's pretty common is ordering too much yeah <laughs> and that curriculum that just sits there on the shelf all year that you don't get to but you bought it and uh, you know in your enthusiasm you ordered way too much have mm-hmm. you done that um yeah, the main one thing that I, I realized that I have to watch out for is I'll sometimes see a sale 
and think, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a <laughs> the good old sale. It's a good sale. Like, let's go for it. So um, I actually, a couple years ago, um, I, so I've talked before about how we, we use Memoria Press for our Latin curriculum and absolutely love it. It's like one of our favorite, one of my favorite things that we've, um, that we've done is this Memoria Press Latin. And so uh, we also wanted to have the kids learn some Greek. And so, of course, I thought, well, we love the Memoria Latin so much. We'll just get the Memoria Greek. And, uh, and we got it. And it was on a sale. It was like one of these free ship, you know, sale on their languages and free shipping and all this stuff. So I, I went ahead and bought it. And um, then when I got it, you know, just kind of realized that it was for an age that was going to be too difficult. Like, so uh, the, um, like this is for my second and third grader, their English grammar was not strong enough to support learning the Greek grammar, basically. Okay. So one of the things I love so much about Memoria's Latin program is that they kind of teach English grammar at the same time as teaching the Latin grammar. They, they go really beautifully hand in hand. But the Latin, or sorry, the Greek, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a different author or what, it presupposed a lot of English grammar knowledge that's above my kids' level since they're young. But I had bought it, you know, and I thought, well, we'll use it down the road. That's fine. I'll put it up in the closet. So, of course, it's still sitting in the closet um, because then in the meantime, last year, we discovered this Greek class online that is absolutely amazing that I love. And um, and that starts at age eight. So I only have one child right now taking the Greek class, but she's learning Greek, you know, in this interactive, really excellent class online. Um, so I don't know. You know, I have that. I have a beautiful Greek program sitting upstairs in my closet. I don't know if I'll use it at some point or not, but, um, but I, I do know now that I have to not buy things necessarily, you know, years in advance. <laughs> like for example, you know, back when I, a couple of years ago, I thought, well, we'll be, we'll be doing Saxon math for, for many Forever. years to come. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, why not just buy it all now, you know, or, buy a bunch of the books by a few years in advance but you never know when something either comes up you know wonderful like this greek class or something happens like you hate sex and math or one of your kids hates it and you need to change um now i do have the benefit of course of having a lot of kids so you know if i buy something and it doesn't get used i do save it generally to use down the road possibly with another kid or you know, circumstances might change. Um, but I, I do know that about myself now that I need to watch out for this trap of seeing something good at a sale or, yeah. you know, at a, a curriculum sale or on eBay or right. um, getting the email, you know, because of course I'm on all the emails from all the curriculum companies. Right. Yeah, they're always sending their sales. Yeah. Well, you'll have a house full of books. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's okay. That's good. And, you know, maybe that Greek program will end up going to someone else who can use it, you know, if, right. if you find that you're just not using it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm just, I'm looking here. I'm staring at a stack of books I have on my dresser. That's um, a stack of Shakespeare books, and <laughs> which we bought, actually, my husband and I bought those for ourselves, but then we, and we bought a ton of them. It was this one it's called No Fear Shakespeare, where they have um, 
the Shakespearean language, the play on one side, and then they have it like in modern, easy to read English on the other side. And then we realized we actually really prefer this other series of Shakespeare where they have more notes and things. So now I have this stack of Shakespeare books on my dresser. I'm trying to figure out, should I, you know, can I give that to another homeschooling family? Like who would like this set? Because I just don't see us using it. Yeah. In the future. Yeah. (laughs) So just to wrap up, Rose, do you have any advice for moms who are overwhelmed with the choices and don't even really know where to begin? Yeah, I think, um, I think I kind of said earlier, you know, I, in some, there's not necessarily like the holy grail of curriculum for a particular subject. You, you're going to have to kind of play around with it with your own kids and with your own family. And, and you might have one kid that needs a different program from another kid. And so I think it's always just kind of a benefit to start somewhere. I mean, you want to look at some reviews, you know, you don't want to necessarily just pick out of thin air but you know if you look at a at a few review sites or homeschooling websites and you see the same name come up a couple times you know just go ahead and give it a try mm-hmm. and and in some cases like you know with my first two kids I really don't think at this point it would have mattered what phonics program I used with them they just took to phonics naturally it was so easy for them and they just learned to read no no drama um, and now with my third now I am having to figure out like, okay, what's going to work for her? What, because what we're doing is not working. Um, and so, yeah, I think some, I think it's good just to get some input, but don't drive yourself crazy trying to find the perfect thing because there isn't such a thing as that's, the perfect thing. Yeah, that's a really good point. There is no perfect curriculum. It's, yeah. it's, it's just not out there. Perfect. Because every child is different and, uh, mm-hmm. Every approach is different and kids learn differently. And, right. you know, what even what might work for one year, mm-hmm. uh, one curriculum might not work the next year, even with the same kid. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been great, Rose. Thank you so much. Welcome. Yeah. And go enjoy choosing new curriculum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.